Brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You come in to this sanctuary every Sunday and you sit in your favorite seat. And I wonder if while doing that you take the time to ponder what is above the altar. Problem with us, we get comfortable. Amen? Things just become a part of what is normal for us, and so we just come and do. We literally, we come and we sit in our regular seat and we wait for the pastor to come on up and say it's time to get started with a blessing. But there's a cross that hangs up there. There's meaning to that cross. And we would do well when we come into this sanctuary to take at least a moment to look upon that cross and reflect again as to what it is happened there. How it happened, why it happened, and what it means that it did happen. Now this is going to sound like a rather strange and, and almost childish exercise, but I want you to look at the cross with me and see that there are two bars, a vertical and a horizontal bar. This is crucial to our understanding of where we are going today with this message on dressing up. To understand both the vertical and the horizontal nature of the cross. The vertical nature of that cross signifies the truth of how it was that God left heaven and came down into this world, onto this earth, in the person of Jesus Christ to redeem us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Christianity is the only faith, notice I use the word faith, not a religion, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a faith. It is a way of living. It is the only faith that acknowledges a God who comes down rather than people needing to go up. There's a reason for that. And that is, no matter how high we climb up that ladder we're never going to attain heaven's place. It's just going to keep going and going and going because reaching it on our own is an absolute impossibility. Amen? Therefore, God said, I'll go to them. And so he made the trek down into this world, taking on human flesh in this world, becoming sin even though he was not sinful himself, so that he might bear that sin upon a cross, carrying it there 
as your substitute, as my substitute, because we're the ones who deserve to be there. Amen? We're the ones who deserve to be there. But He goes in our place. So we don't have to. And He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He brings about our reconciliation before God conquers death and opens the door for us unto everlasting life. There is no greater gift, no wondrous thing that God has or ever could do than that one right there. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the redeemer of the universe. He is the reconciler of the human race. He is the one who opens the door for each and every one of us to experience a life that is eternal. And that is no small thing, dear brothers and sisters. Now you heard the last three weeks, you heard about freedom, you heard about adoption, you heard about hope. All three of those are grounded in that vertical nature of the cross. We are free from our sin because of the vertical nature of the cross. We have been adopted into the family of God because of the vertical nature of that cross. We have our hope unto everlasting life because of the vertical nature of that cross. Are you seeing it? I pray the next time you come and sit down in here, you look up at that and you don't forget that. It's not a symbol up there. It's not, it's not two pieces of wood up there. It is the sign of the power of God unleashed in this world for your sake and for mine. Freedom, adoption, and hope. Why? Why can't we get there on our own? Make it a lot easier for God. Jesus wouldn't have had to have done what he did. We could have gotten there on our own. Listening to, to, to uh, uh, Moses, right, uh, to the Hebrews uh, in Deuteronomy, he says, it's not that big of a deal. You, you, you can do it. You can do it. All you need to do is make a choice. Choose life or choose death. And Moses says, my prayer for all of you is that you will choose life and not death. Now, you ask me if I want to choose life or death, what am I going to say? I'll, I'll choose life, right? Nobody wants to die. I mean, God created us to live. No one wants to die. So choose life. That seems simple enough. And he actually says in his wording there out of that 29th chapter, it's not that hard to do. I look at that and I scratch my head and I say, well, if it wasn't that hard to do, why is it that a whole generation of Hebrews never entered into the promised land? Why didn't they get there? They didn't get there because they didn't trust God. Moses sent 12 individuals into Canaan to come back with a strategy of how to take it. 
And when they came back, only two of the twelve said it could be done. The rest said, no, it's an absolute impossibility. We can't do that. So what'd they do? They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until everyone had died off. Thirteen judges. Thirteen judges. People were blessed by God. They got too comfortable where they were. They forgot God. That angered God. God sent an army to bring them under oppression again. They cried out for God's help, and God sent them a judge. Now, you think one time would do it, right? Thirteen different times they got too comfortable for their own good. And God had to send in an army to oppress them so that they would cry out for help and God would deliver them through through a judge. People looked around once they got into into the promised land and all these other countries had a king. So... They came to Samuel and said, we want a king. Samuel says, God will provide the king. No, 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 no. We want to choose the king. And they chose Saul. I ask you, how well did that work out? After Saul was dethroned, then they finally brought David. But then look at David. David couldn't keep his eyes to himself. And lost the right to build the temple. It goes on, it goes on, it goes on. It is not easy to do what God needs for us to do. In fact, I would dare say it is absolutely impossible. And therein we return to the vertical nature of the cross. God does the impossible. He saves those who cannot save themselves. Amen? Are you hearing me? Okay. All right, well, I, I, I can sit down now, I suppose. We, 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 we will come back to this. But there's the horizontal nature of the cross. The horizontal nature of the cross refers to how Jesus works in us to guide us and direct us in our working with one another. The horizontal nature of all of this has to do with growing up in Christ Jesus, becoming mature in Christ, looking at Jesus and seeing how he acted, how he functioned, how he worked, and then following in his footsteps to be like him, to love as he loved, to give as he gave, to sacrifice as he sacrificed to put everybody else before ourselves. There's a big one today. That word I, I this, I that. Everything's about me. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not about me. It's about first Jesus and then it's about you. 
And my responsibility as a follower of Christ is to show my deepest concern for you over against myself. That's what it means to put Christ on. That's what it means to dress up. To dress up means that we acknowledge that we have a privilege and a responsibility to act and respond in a way that is in keeping with what it is that God did in the person of Jesus Christ for us. When we say amen to the vertical nature and ignore the horizontal nature of the cross, we mock Jesus. We make light of God's plan and working in our world. We say, I'll take the first, but I don't need the second. And I'm not here to tell you that the second is what determines whether or not you achieve through the first. But how can any of us in good conscience and by the leading of the Holy Spirit acknowledge, accept, and celebrate the vertical and then ignore the horizontal? It just does not compute. And yet that's what we do. That's what they did in Paul's time and in Peter's time. That's why they kept writing this. Colossians is not the only place where it is talked about about putting on Christ. It's spoken of in Ephesians. It's spoken of in Philippians. Why is that? In every one of those churches, this was a struggle. It's always a struggle. Why? Because we're human. And the old person in us dies very, very hard. We don't just get up one morning and say, I'm done with it. That'd be nice, huh? What is it that Peter said about about the devil? Be somber, right? And very, very careful because the devil is like a prowling lion moving around, seeking to pounce on and to destroy. There's nothing in the word of God that says the devil is out of of work right now. He's not unemployed. He's hard at work. You, You can see it. Anywhere and everywhere you go, you can see the devil at work and you can see the weakness of the human race all around us. You can see it. It ought not be that difficult. And what we have received from above, you think it would be a piece of cake, but it's not. For some strange corrupt, perverted reason, we like the dirty old rags. We just like the dirty old rags. God doesn't want us to wear dirty old rags. Dress up. Put Christ on. Live in a way that is in keeping with what that means. So get rid of The list is long, and we're not going to go through that list. But 
It has to do with all of those things that are self-centered. It's all those me things. From sexual immorality to, to alcohol to drugs. We were having lunch with an old, old, long-time dear friend of ours the other day. She lives in this very, very large house, which she bought, and then invited her daughter and son-in-law and their three children to move into with her. And she set up house on the bottom level, and they set up house on the upper level. Now, that's not something... Sandy and I would do, we probably would label that as kind of sort of as an enabling situation. You know, kids do grow up to leave home. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the way it's supposed to work, but these kids have never left home. And in fact, not only have these kids never left home, they have invited their boyfriends slash girlfriends to live in the house with them. So the daughter shares a bedroom with her boyfriend. And mama says to grandma, who was a little bit distressed over that, none of your business. Condoning the behavior. Now, sisters and brothers, I'm here to tell you that doesn't lead to anything good. If for no other reason, then it does away with any sense of... of um, self-worth, of discipline, of uh, understanding how relationships are supposed to work, that we're not in relationships for what we can get out of them, but for what we can put into them. And oftentimes what we put into them has something to do with sometimes saying no, sometimes telling the truth, Sometimes saying there's a line to be drawn here and that line's been drawn. But then when I listened to that, I, I, I was a little surprised, but I wasn't shocked because that's our world, right? That's our world. And in the world in which we live, Jesus is mocked. And the church is made light of. In fact, the church is oftentimes like the mother in this situation, condoning and complicit in the attitudes and the culture that is going on around us. Amen? Jesus is not on the inside where he belongs. He's on the outside where those who put him there lose the hope and the assurance and the confidence of what he brings. That's why the true church is so important. The true church is so, so very, very important because the world needs to be told about the vertical and the horizontal nature of the cross. God saves us so that we might live for him and for the sake of all others. And he provides us with the dressing that is required to make that happen. He gives that to us, and that dressing is the Holy Spirit. 
That dressing is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the will and the power to live as Jesus is asking us to live. As Paul lays out in Colossians, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be Christ in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces. And when we go to the grocery store and to the restaurant, it's the Holy Spirit that enlivens us and informs us as to the power of God at work still in this world, even in the face of a terrible, terrible enemy. The lion that prowls, seeking to devour. We'll shake off the dirty rags, Paul would say to us today. And by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, put on a new self. And in that new self, act and function as Christ would have you do that where you are, in that place where you are planted. I'm going to end with a a little story. I uh, have a son. We have a son, excuse me. She'd say I, and she wouldn't say excuse me, but... We have a son. who had an evil perpetrated on him when he was at a very young age. He has had a very, very hard time getting over that. He has been married for over 20 years. He has two wonderful daughters. But their marriage and their family life is in chaos. And I would argue, this isn't an excuse, and I won't let him get away with it anymore. But I would argue that that event in his life at a very young age has become for him a dirty old rag that he can't let go of. And it is hurting their family. Now, he's, the others have issues. The others have issues. But when the leader of the house, and that's my son, our son, cannot function as the leader because of what he is wearing upon his person, that negatively impacts everything else going on in that house. Amen? And so we had a meeting the other night. And we talked about the bantering, the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the dynamics that were going on inside that house. 
And what we got to, two things. Jason, God loves you. God has shown you that love by offering up his son for you and for your family. He has and does continue to forgive you for your sin of failing to be the leader in the house, to do what it is that you were called to do that you are not doing. He forgives you for that. But he forgives you for that with one little caveat. It's time for you, Jason, to forgive the individual who perpetrated that evil on you. You cannot expect to understand the power of God's forgiveness if you yourself will not forgive another. And the scriptures are clear about this. Forgive us our sin, what? As we forgive those who have sinned against us. The first does in its own way depend upon the second. There's nothing healthy if only half of it is done and the other half isn't. It comes as a, a whole here. It's true in his life. It's true in your life too. I know that there have been people who have hurt me along the way in my life. And I know, therefore, there are people who have hurt you in your life. It may be your spouse even. It may be your children even. If you're holding on to that and wearing that dirty old rag, you need to shake it off and put on the new one. Powered by the Holy Spirit. I know my son can't forgive that gentleman on his own. I know that. I'm not asking him to. I'm asking him to allow the Holy Spirit free reign and power to make it happen for him in his life. That's where the difference is. Life in the Spirit means that we acknowledge where the power of that life comes from. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Want to be a part of the kingdom of God? Jesus says to Nicodemus, you need to be baptized in water and the Spirit. Water and the Spirit. Why? Without the Spirit, no kingdom for you. But God is being fit to give you His Spirit. Did it through your baptism. Gave you his spirit. That spirit is alive and well in you. You have the power inside of you to do the impossible. And that is to wear a new dress. A new coat. One that shines. It's clean. White like snow. Because it's the one Christ puts on us. That's that's what this word is about today. Next time you look upon the cross, you see what he did, and then you see how he clothed you and why. 
so that you can live for him and like him and follow in his footsteps in your neighborhoods and your workplaces so that you, you can be a mighty witness to what it is that he did when the time was right while we were yet sinners. He came. He took sin upon himself. We were his enemies. By the power of the Spirit of God, we can do the same with our enemies. And we can bring them down. Down so that they can be picked up under the love grace, the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit unto everlasting life. That's the goal for us and for everybody who will listen, who will look upon the cross and see the whole picture of what it is that God is in this world to do. Amen? Thank you so much. And now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.